So, my name is Marta. I'm 13 years old, and I'm very excited to be baptized today. I was adopted when I was two years old from Colombia. I used to worry a lot and get stressed out easily. It was really hard for me when my family got bigger and I had a new brother and sister. When I was eight years old, I didn't do good with that for a long time, but God helped me through my hard times. I prayed a lot to Jesus, and he helped me to learn to love and forgive. I want to be baptized today because I know Jesus loves me, and I don't have to worry about things I used to worry about. Jesus died on a cross for me, and I want to give him my life. I'm excited to have my dad baptize me today. Thanks for listening. Great, Marta. One thing I've always just admired about Marta is she understands the power of the name of Jesus. Mm. When you're nervous, when you're anxious or whatever, you've always said, I just cry out to Jesus. Something your mom and dad taught you and powerful. And you've seen Jesus move powerfully in your life. So that's way cool. All right, Juan. We're going to have Juan to get baptized. Once you come up, Mike Horn is going to share his testimony. Juan's going to stand up by Mike and Mike has had an investment in Juan's life for many years, and I just appreciate Mike and his faithfulness and just walking uh, with young men, specifically just for year after year after year. So Mike, why don't you share Juan's testimony? Okay. This is nice and close. My name is Juan Vanamas. I was born in Columbia in 2003. I lived with my biological mother, grandmother, and little sister in a very poor burial. My, my birth dad came in and out of my life. Life was very hard. My biological mother was very stressed out all the time and took her anger out on me. I was hit a lot. I can remember sleeping outside by myself at night if I did not do something that made, if I did something that made her mad. My bio grandma would use my little sister to beg for food on the street. I was exposed to a lot of violence in the first six years of my life. One day I became very sick and was brought to a doctor and the child welfare stepped in and rescued me out of the very dark situation. I never saw my biological parents again. That made me feel like I was not loved. I felt like I was a nobody. My sister and I then moved into Columbia foster care system. We were placed with a single woman who had a lot of men in and out of her house. I didn't get, it didn't get easier for me. She liked my, she liked my bio mother still hit me a lot. I was, doing a, I was doing terrible in school and I felt out of control. The child welfare saw what was happening and they moved my little sister and I to another foster home. I moved to my second foster home when I was about eight years old. The foster mom would send her kids to church on Sunday even though she didn't go. Every time I went to church, I could feel God in my heart. 
Their home was Catholic, but they didn't take it seriously. They, they had their own bio kids along with three foster kids. The foster kids were not treated like her own kids. I would continue to get hit when I was in trouble. I would pray on Sunday, but, it, but, it, but didn't understand why. Then over time, I began to pray for, for a family that would adopt me. God heard me. Finally, the, the, that family came for me and my little sister. I was 13 years old. My new family took their faith very seriously. And God began to show me that good things came out of hard situations. I began to see that hard movement. I began to see that hard movement have shaped my life. I realized God didn't need me to be perfect. He just wanted my heart. I have made some big mistakes in my life and hurt people close to me, and they have had to forgive me. God has used those mistakes in my story to show me that I too can forgive all the people in my life that have hurt me. God is perfect is the perfect example of forgiveness. Today I want to share with you that my love belongs to Jesus. I am His. He is all that I need. Amen. you to miss one thing in Juan's testimony. And Juan, this is just so powerful. I realize God doesn't need me to be perfect. I think there are some people that are striving for perfection. Think that they just clean up their life and do the right thing and, and say the right thing and maybe they can achieve perfection. But, but Juan is so true. God doesn't need me to be perfect. He just wants my heart. That, that's the key. Like that's a mic drop moment right there, Juan. Just boom. Like God wants your heart. God wants all of our hearts. That's what he's after pursuing our hearts, pursuing our lives. And I think about both of these testimonies and the song, Goodness of God, just comes to mind. Where it just sings, all, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And even in the moments when you didn't see it, God has been faithful to pursue the two of you. And God is constantly at work. And this morning, I uh, want to share those testimonies. I want to share more testimonies too because I don't want us to miss what God is doing. And how God is pursuing hearts. And so I've asked Helen to come up and share about uh, her grandson. Because we've been praying for Andrew. And uh, I think a couple weeks ago, I, uh, you weren't here. But I invited people to pray for Andrew because he's going in for scans again. Um, because he's been battling cancer for three years. And I, I said, I pray that those scans are clear. And, well, we'll let you give an update. Okay. So three months ago, I stood here and shared that we had had scans and everything was clear. Um, the tumor that we had in his um, skull was gone. And then two weeks later, we went to North Carolina to our um, clinical trial doctor, and the rug was pulled out from under us. The scans had cancer that they had missed in Grand Rapids, and there was a new spot. So back to chemotherapy, um, back to radiation, and that's what we've been doing for the last three months. Oh, but his body is really tired. It's weak. It can't take the chemo anymore. So. Um, They've stopped that. Scans last week came back clear, but we're still standing in the 
But what's next? Because the cancer he has is very aggressive, it continues to recur and come back. Um, his markers in his blood and urine are still showing cancer in his body, even though the scans are not showing active cancer lit up. So um, our excitement this time is way less than what we had because it's so aggressive, but um, we continue to walk on our faith day by day. Um, we're fighting fear and worry. We believe God is in control, and we thank him every day for Andrew's life. We thank the body here as a church that continue to pray and lift us up, to check in on us, to encourage us. Um, we still trust God for a complete healing in America. We believe that God is bigger than cancer. Um, I was just telling Marta earlier, I pray that these cancer swell cells will start swimming right. Like, their cancer cells are just out of control, normal cells. And um, we're just knowing that God is bigger. Um, the past three years have taught me not to cling to what I want because it isn't up to me. I have learned that so much. Um, and as I listen and lean into God and his teachings, I am reminded that courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to continue on despite the fear. We don't know what's next in this journey. Um, we didn't choose cancer. We didn't choose this battle. I know there's nothing we did or could have done differently, um, but we are anchored in the truth of God's word and promise. And Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with Joshua, God is with us, um, even though we are afraid and you know, fear is not from Jesus, John shared that, like we need to speak out against it. Um, we continue to move on and move forward and press forward. So we keep believing and praying that we will have total healing and we keep praying for total courage to live each day fully and not in the darkness of fear. Awesome, thanks Helen. You know, I love that testimony and I love how John and Helen have continued to walk out their faith. And praise the Lord that those, those scans are clear. And we're going to continue to pray and, and plead before Almighty God that those scans continue to stay clear and that the cancer does start swimming right, whatever that means. You know more about the situation than I do. Um, but pray that, that everything is, is wiped out. But um, the thing that, I, that encourages me so much is how John and Helen have walked through this, this valley of the shadow of death and just walk through and continue to walk through. And, and Helen is a, a pillar of faith, but the thing that has really encouraged me is John you know, really being bold in his faith and holding on to the Lord and, and crying out to the Lord, being dependent on the Lord, being frustrated with the Lord, but they continue to walk with the Lord. And so that's such a beautiful uh, testimony. Um, God is, is constantly at work. Like I, I already said, I think this morning in, in, the, in the life of uh, Juan and Marta and Andrew. And last Sunday, too, um, I don't know if you remember, Doug and Nicole LaCroix were here and Nicole shared about her son who is estranged from them, as it doesn't talk to him, them, walking away um, from his faith. And uh, I asked if, she, if I could share this testimony, and she um, responded back in a text, and she goes, uh, Dave, my life is an open book, so go ahead, you know, share whatever you want, which if you know Nicole, she is just like, share whatever you want, she's just an open book. So um, as her son, uh, they started to see that her son was, was walking away from the faith and, and not talking with them. Uh, a couple years ago, someone shared uh, a prayer with uh, with her, and and this was and there's a picture of it on the screen, and she's been holding on to this for a number of years, and this is what uh, the prayer that was shared with them a year ago, and she has this in her phone, and you can kind of see it up there. It says, "The seeds that were placed in his heart years ago will grow. Uh, they have put the gospel in his heart. They've, they've spoken into his life, and also the word home keeps coming to mind. He will be coming home." 
And while that doesn't mean a physical home, that means his true home with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. The Lord is pursuing him. Well, then last week she comes and she shares. She's been holding on to this for many, many years. And she shares, and then as many of you gathered around her back in the, the, the back corner over there, people were praying. And the word home was repeated over and over and over again. Because Rebecca and Steve were praying, a bunch of other people were, were praying. And I even asked Rebecca, I said, what was coming to mind as you were praying this word home? And she said, I was just thinking about what would happen in heaven, and I declared it on earth. Now, Rebecca and Nicole don't know each other. And didn't, Rebecca didn't hear that word home before. And she just like, felt like this is what I need to pray on. She just started praying it out. And so I just love how the Holy Spirit works in those moments. And Nicole said that she had scripture memorized that completely pertained to the situation. And then Nicole went on and said, because that's what we do battle with. We do battle with the word of God. And then I asked Nicole, I said, how did you feel afterwards? How did, how, t- talk to me about like that moment and what it did for you. And she said this, and her words are up on the screen, and I'll read them. She said, we were so incredibly blessed by the entire service. We are literally blown away by the compassion and care of the body. There have been two other times where the Holy Spirit fell upon me so magnificently, where I literally had bolts of lightning pulsing through my entire body. But this morning, the Holy Spirit was all over me and in me and running through me. I turned to Rebecca, who was praying behind me, and asked her if my face looked distorted. I felt so much vibration in my face. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that something was loosened in the heavenlies. Something was released. Mark this date down, June 20, 2021. It is so. I love it. I love it. Like He didn't come running home you know, last Sunday, even though we wish that would have happened. We continue to pray that that happens. But here was a powerful reminder. Powerful reminder. That God sees her, that God knows her, that God hears her, that God used the body to encourage her and said, you know what, I am working in your life. Even when you don't see it, I'm working. I am pursuing your son even more so than you are pursuing him. God is always at work. One more testimony that I'm going to share, and it happened on Monday at the food distribution that was here. Um, Harper and Holly and Corrigan were here handing out food and Holly's um, mom Deb was here and we were having a great time like through those doors handing out food and Jen and, and Abby were here and handing out food and um, I've, all, I've said over the last couple of weeks I've said like you know we're here for a reason um, this facility is great it keeps us cold keeps us dry uh, but we're here for more than that we're here to be a light in this community and in my heart I, I say that and I believe that but I also have questions like okay God are you going to show up which ways are you going to show up? And so we show up on Monday to start handing out food, and people come in, and we talk to them, and we're nice, and that's wonderful. Well, there was this woman that came up in, in a car by herself, and I asked her, how many meals do you need? And she said, I just need one. And so we handed it to her, and then she asked a question. She says, are you a part of a group that kind of meets here? And I said, yeah. And she's like, you do services here? And she started to ask some questions. And she was troubled, and so it didn't take a lot of spiritual discernment to understand something was going on. And so I just said, like, what's happening? And she said, well, just last night, my son was told by his dad that his dad has stage 3 cancer. And his dad did not tell him in the the right way. And how can you connect with my 12-year-old son? We started talking a little bit about that. And then I asked her, I said, how are you doing? And she just started to cry even more. And I said, can we pray for you? And Jen was, was here, and I said, you know, would you mind going over uh, 
across the parking lot with Jen and just to spend some time with her and, and pray with her. And she says, yeah, I would love that. Well, they prayed for a while in the parking lot. And then towards the end, I think Jen said, uh, you know, I'm a grief counselor and I would love to meet with you. Um, and they met the next day at Jen's house. And I got a text from this woman, her name's Tanya. And she goes, that was amazing. And God is working. And I was like, okay, God, that's, that's why we're here. God, you are constantly at work. There are people in this community. We have had a touch from the Lord. We have encountered the Lord. But there are people in this community that haven't had an experience or encounter with the Lord. And Tanya came looking for food, received food, but received so much more. Had an encounter with Jesus that I believe will transform her life, is transforming her life, and will continue in the future. And so God is at work, and I think of the Tanyas of the world, I think of this community, and I actually go back to Nicole and knowing Nicole's story a little bit. There are people in this community that have not heard the gospel of Jesus. Nicole went to Holland High School and didn't hear the gospel until she was 24 years old. We have to be people who proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus. And the reason that I want to share these testimonies this morning has to do with the verse that I want to look at this morning. I don't want us to miss what God is doing. I want our hearts to always stay soft to what God is doing in our lives and what God is doing in the community and what he wants to do. And what does God want to do? It's what he has been after since the very beginning of time. It's what Juan shared in his testimony. He's after hearts. You know, God created this world. He spoke this world into existence. But it says at the very beginning, first verse in the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. Well, I look at that and I'm like, okay, in the beginning, God. So God existed for some time. God hung out by himself. Uh, God, the, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit hung out by themselves for a while, for who knows how long they existed, forever. But there was a, a need in their, their, their lives, if you will, uh, for relationship. And they created us, wanting to have relationship with us. God has always been after relationship with us. Those, the, the very prized creation, you and I. Those who be formed with his hand, but that was broken by sin. And he's wanted our hearts all along, all along. Genesis 2, 3, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He went pursuing them, chasing after them. God has always been about pursuing his kids. And in Acts chapter 7, there's this verse, there's a message that Stephen is giving. And Stephen, we're introduced to him in Acts chapter 6. He is a deacon. He's a man who's going to serve and wait on tables, help with the widows, the care of the widows. But he's full of faith and full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen gets into a little bit of trouble because he's saying, he's talking about how Jesus is going to uh, destroy the temple and get rid of the customs of Moses. And so the religious are really upset. And they're like, you're saying this? Like, this is what you're doing? Like, not our temple. Like, our temple is our prized possession." And then Stephen goes on this long message, longest in the book of Acts. And he gets to the end, and there's a verse, there's a warning in there that I want us to listen to this morning. And it's in Acts uh, chapter 7, verse 51. Ellie, why don't you go ahead and put it up on the screen. Acts 7, verse 51. He looks at them and he says, you stiff-necked people. That's a nice, you know, thing to say to them, like big crowd of people. He says, you stiff-necked people. Uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You stiff necked people. He's referring, he's quoting from Exodus, from, from when God was frustrated with his people because they were worshiping a golden calf that they had made from, from their jewelry. 
God is looking at those people and those people who are crying out to this golden calf saying, this is the God that rescued us from Egypt. God's like, you stiff-necked people. And Stephen is saying to this crowd there in Acts chapter 7, you are just like your ancestors. You are just like your fathers. Uncircumcised, which would have been such a slam to them. Because circumcision meant that they were connected to God. And so Stephen is saying, you think you're connected to God, but you're not connected to God because you're uncircumcised in the heart where it matters. And before he gets to this passage, Stephen goes through the history of, of Israel, talking about how God has pursued them over and over again. How God appeared to Abraham, their father of their, their, their people, and appeared to Abraham and said to Abraham, I want to make you a people. I'm going to make your name great. I want a people, a people that are in relationship with me. And then he goes on to Joseph. And he says, then I raised up Joseph, but you ignored his dream. You didn't listen to him. And, and I sent him to Egypt to prepare uh, the way so that when the famine comes that you can be provided for. And then he talks about Moses. And how when they were in Egypt and they were slaves and they were crying out to the Lord. How the Lord rescued them miraculously. Rescued them from slavery and, and delivered them. But then at just a short time while they turned their hearts away from God. And started to complain and, and like, why did you bring us out to this desert just to die? And over and over again, Stephen says, you are missing it. God is after your heart. God is after a relationship with you. And you know what? Today, he's saying to these people, he's like, you are stiff-necked, uncircumcised in your hearts. You are missing what God is doing. You have missed Jesus, the one that God sent to restore a relationship between you and God. You are missing out on what God is doing. As a people... I never want to miss out what God is doing. And I don't want to think like, okay, these words to this community thousands of years ago aren't words for us today. I don't want us to think that we're better than they were 2,000 years ago, that somehow we always get it, because I know there are times in my life where I miss it. And so I think this warning for us, I believe this warning uh, a couple thousand years ago is true for us today. Are we resisting the Holy Spirit. Are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Are you resisting the work that God is doing in your lives? The ways that he is trying to get your attention. Are you resisting the move of God that where he's tugging at your heart? Saying, I want you to forgive that person. I want to spend more time with you. I want you to cast all of your cares on me. I want you to bring all of your hopes and dreams and concerns before me. Are you resisting the way that the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart saying, come close to me. I want a deeper relationship with you. I want you to cry out to me. Cast everything on me. There are so many ways that we can resist the Holy Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, the, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to the work that God is doing in your life. I think another way that, that we resist the Holy Spirit is... We, we might not have little idols or figurines around our house that we worship, but there are things that we worship that we give our time and attention to that aren't of the Lord. And there are idols that we have put in our lives, that we bow down to, instead of giving our hearts fully to God. If you're wondering where you're resisting the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you and challenge you, just ask the Lord. In Matthew 7, it says, ask, seek, and knock. Just ask the Lord, like, where am I resisting you? Where am I not paying attention to the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life? Because here's the beautiful thing. God wants our whole heart. He doesn't want just a part of our heart. 
God was deeply saddened. He's like really grieved back in the Old Testament when they, um, when they set up that idol. But also when they cried out and saying they wanted an earthly king because they rejected God. God wanted to be their king. And here they wanted an earthly king. And I think the same thing is true today. God wants our whole heart, but we give him just little pieces here and there. Where are you resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? God wants to do a work in each and every one of us. But the truth is, God also wants to do a work through each one of us. We can, always, we can also resist the Holy Spirit when it comes to sharing the gospel. When it comes to praying for somebody. When it comes to being a light in this world. There are so many broken people, people that need a touch from the Lord, and God has sent you and me into those places to tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. And we are called to go, whether it's to a restaurant, whether it's to schools, whether it's to our neighborhood. And I think sometimes we walk into those places and we just occupy space instead of doing the thing that God has sent us there to do. And are we resisting the Holy Spirit in those moments? I know some of you guys go to to V's restaurant here in Zealand. And I've seen people walk through that restaurant and look for people and say, okay, who do I want to pray with? God, who are you sending me to? And I've seen people do that in that restaurant. And I would ask, like, what would happen if we would do that more in our lives? We wouldn't resist the Holy Spirit when we're walking to Family Fair in a little bit to buy a sandwich before we go out to Camp Geneva. And we go in there and we're like, okay, God, should I pray for this person or what should I do in this situation? Where are you resisting the Holy Spirit in your life? Where are you resisting the Holy Spirit working through your life? Because I don't want to be like those in Acts 7 who are stiff-necked, who are opposed, who are stubborn. I want to have our hearts laid bare before the Lord saying, God, have every aspect of my life. As we go into a time of worship, I want to invite us right now just to lay our hearts before the Lord. We're going to start off by singing Waymaker and then you can go ahead and, and get up there We're going to sing Waymaker, a song that we sang last week. And use this song to ask the Lord, all right, where am I resisting the Holy Spirit? Where am I not paying attention? What do you want to do in my life? And maybe there's a prayer that you have been praying and that hasn't been answered. I'm going to invite you to keep asking the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. I mean, there are so many different situations in this room. And I want us all to bring them before the Lord and say, God, here's my whole heart. Here's my whole life. Have every aspect of me. So let's stand together, laying our hearts bare before the Lord. And also, this is a time if you want to receive prayer from anybody, um, we're going to have some prayer people over here. Also, if you have a word that you believe is for the entire body that that you would uh, want to share, want to share, come and talk to me or CC, and we'll see if it applies to uh, for today, but we want to spend a time of worship and prayer just laying our hearts completely.